Welcome to Conversations With. My name is Shaley Hugendorn and I live with Bipolar 2 Disorder. Sharing with others is healing both individually and collectively. Sharing our stories will educate others, bring more understanding, shed more light and smash more stigma. Our voices need to be heard. Our stories aren't over yet. This is Bipolar. Hi everyone, welcome back to This is Bipolar. If this is your first time, I'm Shaley Hugendorn. I'm a wife, a mom, a teacher. I live with Bipolar 2 disorder. I live on the unceded and traditional territory of the Katsi and Coquitlam people, which is also known as Port Coquitlam, Vancouver, Canada. And so I'm really excited because I have a guest here today that I feel like I already know. I interact with him online since the beginning and I know his wife from online as well. So it's very exciting that we're actually going to hang out together. So Marku, I would love if you would just tell us a little introduction about yourself. Thank you, Shaylee. I'm so excited to be here. I go on Instagram every day to this is bipolar and laugh my <laughs> one of my happy spots Yay! You have the best facial expressions um ever uh so my name's marku costamo um and i live in south surrey white rock uh in on the little camel river mm. and um have two daughters and a wife leah and um we just love being in this part of the world and it's known as the Tatlu River by the Semiamu First Nations. Mm, yeah, awesome. That's awesome. And you do, uh, tell me what you do um, for your work and for fun. I'm a social entrepreneur. Uh, so I've been in the nonprofit space uh, for 20 plus years as an executive director. And I currently work as the director of development for Sanctuary Mental Health. And then I have a little agency on the side helping nonprofits grow called Casey. Oh, so uh, cool. I love anything outdoors. So on the water, on the snow, in the woods. And we have a little dog called Blue who comes with us. What kind of dog? He's a Australian Labradoodle. Oh, I have a little one. He's a Cavapoo. He's a oh, Cavapoo Miniature Poodle. Yeah. Max, you'll probably see him on Instagram. <laughs> Blue, Blue was supposed to be little, but he's, he's about... <laughs> 50 pounds. Oh, surprise. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's awesome. Well, welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, thank I you, would just you. like to dive in. I am so curious. When did you notice or did you as a child or a teenager or young young adult that something was different or something was going on? I'd love to hear about that. You know what? I it gets mixed up because I had childhood trauma. Um, I went to boarding school as a six-year-old and oh, so wow. I live I just for six months but I lived this uh depression I experienced depression mm -hmm. significant depression and abandonment trauma mm -hmm. that kind of linked to you know this uh experiencing depression throughout my life um so initially in my 20s I was um diagnosed with depression and met, was on medication for 20 mm. years. Wow. With depression. Yeah. So, 
but it, as I look back, it's like, oh, it actually it was bipolar disorder yeah. uh, in the early stages of that, and I just was misdiagnosed for a long time. Wow. Yeah, I hear you. Same, same. Uh, it's I was I'm not very good with stats, but somebody was telling me I think it was like average between like six and ten years, especially for bipolar two disorder. Um, did you have bipolar two, bipolar one? I was, I'm diagnosed with bipolar one disorder. One disorder. Yeah. And because it's so true, we go for the help when we're depressed, right? Because it's, it's terrible. And not that the other side isn't terrible, but I don't know about you, but did you think that um, the times you weren't like, did you have kind of a cycle through the year or was it random for you? Oh, not a total cycle, maybe like three or four cycles a year. Okay. So, so I would um, be hypomanic. And I thought that that hypomanic Marku was like the real guy. Yes. Yes. It's like, there's that depressed guy. He's not the real guy. The real guy is the, the hypomanic guy that gets so much done. And like, everyone's like patting me on the back and saying, I can't believe how much work you get done. You're working like two people. Um, and in the meantime, there's like, but it's kind of hard to work with you. You're kind of like a jerk sometimes. Um, oh, yes, or, I hear you. Or maybe a lot of the time. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, yeah, so it was definitely a journey. Yeah, yeah. And so um, leading into that, so that when you thought you were like, I so relate to that. I thought that was the the real Shaley. And it's like, oh, you just got to get through this and you'll get you'll get back to it. And and you have such I had such confidence. And then it I was really blinded to how it was affecting uh, folks around me for for a lot of time. And you're absolutely right. The whole getting stuff done. Right. And you're like, um, I, I always tell people that, you know, might be curious if someone in their life might live with bipolar disorder or to watch out for their friends. If they're like, like you said, like two people, maybe look into that because they might not be sleeping like ever. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And you get compliments. I remember like I redo my entire kitchen or, and I had littles, like even when I had the little kids are like, I can't believe you have so much energy. And I just thought I was like, maybe just like super awesome, <laughs> which I am, I guess, but not you that. Are. Not that You are, <laughs> you are awesome. And I've then watching. Oh, thank you. You're so kind. Um, I'm curious what, when you experience hypomania, what does that look like and feel like for you? Because some people that listen, they're trying to figure out if they are bipolar or we have folks that are curious about people in their family. Can you describe what that feels like, like in your body and how you behave? Yeah, I think, I think for me, the hypomanic, I have a, a daily, um, I do a daily mood charting. Yes. So Five is like normal mm -hmm. and 10 is like way off the charts in the hospital manic and gotcha. zero is in the hospital, like suicidal depression. Yeah. Um, so I, I try to stay in the, like, like what I would say most people stay in the four to six range. Yeah. Uh, uh, when I, when I'm hitting a seven, I am overworking. Mm-hmm. I'm working so much that I'm actually getting really tired because I'm, mm -hmm. I'm so focused on work. Yeah. Um, and I become, I, I tend to have blinders on when I'm 
it feels like I have blind, yeah, you know, uh, I'm becoming very sort of like laser focused, but, and then the rest of the life kind of disappears, like housework yeah. or, you know, connecting. Yeah, I'll connect. All of a sudden, I'll start to connect with all kinds of people I never connect with, but I'm not connecting with like important people in my life. Yeah. Um, I'm becoming more irritable. Uh, I'm, I can feel like in my, like right here, I can feel this revving. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So those are some of the symptoms and, um, yeah, I love that you chart that, that you chart it. That's, that's so important. And that's some, something, if you're listening and you're wondering, you know, try and keep track somehow. I know when I'm hypomanic, I can't sit down or I can't write in a journal or those kind of things. So I would just start, like I would record on my phone or I do something that was easy. But if you're looking, you know, to, to get a diagnosis or to bring information to uh, your doctor, that's like one of the most helpful things, because like we were talking about before getting misdiagnosis, because we don't go when we're hypomanic, right? Because we think we're awesome. And I, I, that's a perfect way to explain it, blinders, right? I think sometimes people think, uh, you know, bipolar, you're all over the place. But sometimes if it's like a good idea, it's like the only thing. It's like one or the other to kind of, I'm like, disor you know, disoriented, disorganized sometimes in a project or so laser focused that you're right. You ignore everybody, but it was really interesting. I really related to where you said, um, I contact a whole bunch of people, but not the important people that just hit me. Cause I'll look at my texts and I'll be like, oh, or I'll be like, oh my goodness. I saw something that reminded me of this girl in high school that I haven't talked to in 20 years, but I bet you she's on Facebook. Yeah. And then if I, then when I slowly start to come down, I have to like, answer everybody <laughs> I'm like no um does that happen to you when you start to well not yeah not just to answering everybody it's like a bunch of small projects or maybe sometimes bigger projects extra projects even at work it's like they're good things but I've started too many things yeah uh, and I can't keep up with it all so yeah so yeah so I mean that that's like the that that cycle and um, and I've been better in recent years on, on managing that cycle. Yeah. Um, but this past, this, just the past few months, like I'm, yeah. I would say I'm, uh, between a five and a six right now, mm -hmm. but January and February, I was higher. I was like a six plus maybe mm. on the verge of seven. Yeah. Um, and I know, like, I know that I impacted people like, and this has been, it, you know, every time, uh, I mean, this, you know, it's never smooth. It's not predictable, right? So yeah. this time I went a little higher than I have been. Mm -hmm. And um, and it did impact some people, both, mm. both in friendships and at work. So I always feel, I feel so terrible afterwards. It's like, why? Like I could have caught that. So, but there is a kind of living in that both like taking responsibility and then extending yourself grace or, yeah. you know, not, you know, not living in shame, but like this happens. Like, yeah, I, I live with bipolar one disorder. Yeah. And this happens. This is bipolar. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Good title.
<laughs> you caught that. <laughs> I loved it. Loved it. It that that is really interesting. I was having this conversation with my uh, partner, my husband, um, because unfortunately, I hate saying it, but he, you know, he's my person, so he gets the brunt of it, which really, really sucks. And but I was talking to him sometime, and I'm always trying to figure out like. I get stuck in this thought, trying to figure out like, what is attainable, right? Because I'm never, I'm, I'm always going to have episodes in some kind of way. And I've accepted that, right? That's a good thing for me. That isn't a hard, hard thought for me. Um, you know, how do I work alongside? But I was thinking like, what, you know, if I'm going to change, like how I talk to him uh, and, or, you know, how I'm, I'm just like, even things that aren't a big deal, like my reactions are like, he just says like, I'm just, I'm really intense. And then I think about it later and I'm like, I didn't really care about that thing, but it's just me. I'm really intense. And I know the bipolar disorder adds to it, but we were talking and I was like, I wonder what is attainable for me? Because I think that at some point, um, because of the disorder, some things are, I need to be realistic, but yet not, uh, but still, like you said, be a bit accountable. Because I was thinking like, so say we take another illness, right? This non-invisible illness, that's not a mental illness. Um, and it was like, say it was something hard, like, um, like maybe cancer or another illness, and you had a symptom, right? And then it wouldn't be your fault you wouldn't, chances are, I don't know, um, but chances are you probably wouldn't think like, I'm doing something wrong if I was, you know, dizzy or nauseous. Whereas when you have a mental illness, like when I'm irritable or I'm, do you know what I mean? Or I'm uh, angrier than usual, or I, I don't think before I speak, it's actually a symptom, but yet it's so attached to, to who we are. Do you ever think about that? What do you think about that? That's a good question. And I think, I think, um, like I've used the analogy of uh, type one diabetes yeah. uh, a, a fair bit, just because there's a lot of management that goes into that mm -hmm. illness, uh, like care, self-care and watching what you eat and mm -hmm. charting your sugar levels. So, right. so that for me, and, you know, I have dear friends that live with type one diabetes and mm -hmm. it's hard. Yeah. Uh, and they can become irritable as well. Like on the sugar, right? yeah. some, some kind of, uh, you know, languishing in of their mental health as well mm -hmm. with some of their symptoms. So I see that. And, and so I understand that this, yeah, these are symptoms. And yet when we impact other people, there's, there's a responsibility that goes along with with that like uh you still have like you yeah. can't just shrug it off right you can't say well that was a symptom yeah it impacts somebody so then there's you know repair yeah uh, apology and it's not you can't for that person who's been impacted it's not enough to say right it's this is just a symptom it's true. It is a symptom, but that for the repair to happen, there needs to, like, I need to take responsibility. Yeah. Um, so it's a both and yeah. It's, um, there's a balance there. I think that, that 
Yeah. Yeah. What's, what's important is what's happening inside us. Right. Like the repair is important for the other person and for yeah. us to live in, you know, live in relational health. Yeah. That's, that's important for us. But being able to like internally not go to the places of deep shame because of that. Because then that, that, that makes it even harder for us. Right. So to deal with our symptoms. So yeah, yeah, that's, that's really powerful. It's true. It is really true because, uh, and I know for me, pre-medication or pre-treatment to pre-diagnosis, I could, it was very hard within a hypomanic episode to see that I was even hurting someone, right? Because it just seemed like, well, obviously I'm right. Yeah. Obviously, like what's wrong? Like I, I didn't have that reflective capacity. And so um, I, I love that I have that now, like it's almost like baseline, right? Medication doesn't cure it, but I have more of a baseline to, to go with. And, um, but it's also a both end, right? Because there's, there's a lot more um, guilt, but I love what you said about not living in, not living in shame, right? There's that. And I think too, when people, and that's why I love when people tell me that they listen and they don't have bipolar disorder, but they love someone, because I think that's one of the most beautiful things that our people can do is learn about it, right? Like yeah. I'll tell my husband that, you know, I'll know when I wake up and like, I'm just like, the world is a dumpster fire. Everything sucks. Everybody sucks. Uh, just no, no, just no. And I'll, I'll know when I wake up and I'll, some days I'll say, you know, I'm going to try my best, but this is an extra grace required day. <laughs> just yeah. so you know, just so you know, I'm curious. Um, so you said that, so you were on the medication for 20 years, uh, thinking that you just had depression. Did two questions, did it trigger uh, a mania the med the medication or like how did that how did the diagnosis come to be like walk me through right before and tell me about that I'd love to hear yeah I mean it it was like you know manic full-blown manic episodes are dramatic yeah um, and so and I'm totally happy to talk about it because of I think just in my advocacy and storytelling I think mm -hmm the the reality of our humanness and our human like our our experience uh providing a kind of a little window to to that to others is helpful so yeah so i um definitely the medication being on an ssri um is one of the worst things to be on um if you have bipolar disorder because it can definitely push you up so I was on a on that there was a extreme stressful um incident that mm -hmm. elevated um that created like it was an external incident that yep. work related that created I mean it was completely out of this world uh violence and mm -hmm. um and that that I think just got me up even higher and then it's then it becomes like this circular, almost self-fulfilling, because then when you're up, you start to have more conflict. Mm. Um, so that's what happened with me, like with at work. And and then I did, I went on a great men's trip where I did the Bowerns 
just in the middle of all that, I went wow. to the Bowern Lakes and and paddled. And, that, and after I've been reading books and going, one of the things you should avoid is like adventures. Um, like if yeah. you're if you're hypomanic, yeah. like don't go do something really exciting. Yeah. Um, you know, you do the opposite. Like what takes you down? Yeah. So I added this in like, you know, and that's like one of my favorite things is to have outdoor adventures. That's the uh, canoe and the when you carry them from lake to lake, right? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. It was like a seven day canoe trip with guys and I was the guys like they loved it because I was so hilarious and funny and <laughs> full of life but they they also like oh we were so sad because we knew something was wrong right uh, and uh and then I came back to work and you know all the conflict started again mm. and you know you know I was doing on highly entrepreneurial things that probably were good ideas, wrong time, mm. wrong, you know, high risk. Um, I was very convincing. And, and then home life got harder and harder for my wife, Leah. She, she really experienced the brunt of that. Like it was, you know, I started to uncharacteristically swear Mm -hmm. uh, bang doors with anger yeah um, started smoking like things that weren't that I didn't do normally right um and I live in community so other people were on a, on a farm with six other families so everyone was kind of noticing something was going on and I had the privilege of having a mentor who um uh, so just a really experienced psychologist and um and he was tracking behind the scenes what oh, was happening wow. so so leah would be checking in and yeah. um so they were they were tracking what was happening yeah and uh you know i remember at one point being uh, someone suggested that maybe i had bipolar disorder and i was like no way it totally freaked me out it was yeah. just like no way like i said i think my words are that'll be so stigmatizing i'm not gonna like my career will be done and mm. i'll be on lithium and it's gonna be so terrible like i do you know um so that was like this deep fear mm -hmm. probably was an indication like for me it was like oh there's probably some truth to this um right and then on my 48th birthday um, after the party, um, I, I was just working away on my laptop, sending, you know, probably messages to about a hundred people. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, um, someone tapped me on the shoulder and said, Hey, what are you doing here? I said, come on into the living room. And there was like nine of my friends sitting okay. in the living room. And I was like, just said they said sit down and I said is this an intervention um and then I then I was like I feel sick to my stomach and not because I was like feeling bad about being ill but yeah but it was this thing of like okay I'm out of control like mm. first of all I am out of control yeah and then secondly I have no control now. They want to take me to the hospital. 
I went totally, I I went totally willingly. Um, but, um, but I think one of the things, uh, my mentor said to me afterwards, like after I've been in recovery, he said, I knew something was really wrong when you were like chatting away on the drive and telling jokes and laughing and everybody else was like somber yeah sad and quiet mm. um, but but I did I did in the end I mean I did I didn't resist at all but wow wow that's so interesting it's so interesting um when you kind of know something's wrong but then seeing that must have been really impactful walking walking in the room or I remember a few people said to me I didn't quite believe them but I wasn't like all there so then I wasn't like as offended as I would have been like you know what I mean if I was so it was almost like a protective layer but I'm curious I wonder why and you probably do, we probably don't know but why you didn't resist it's like deep down you maybe you knew or you wanted to feel different yeah, actually, I had tried to go to a walking clinic with Leah two days before. Okay. Um, but I was convinced that I had PTSD. Right. Um, not bipolar. Yeah. So I think the, and because I was still so persuasive, mm-hmm. uh, my all the people around me were caring and caring for me, um, caring about me, wanted to make sure that I didn't pull the wool over yes wool over the eyes of the medical team (laughs) right because we're very charming I find when I'm (laughs) I'm manic I'm I'm very charming and I think that unfortunately I even brought it to my actual GP and he was like yeah no you're not you couldn't be because of da 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 which put me behind seven years of a diagnosis right that's that's hard so they were bringing you to the hospital yes yeah, ER to the emergency room. Yeah. 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 And yeah, what and then, happened? Well, then uh, a psychiatrist did an assessment. He mm-hmm. kind of did a long interview. Yeah. Um, and then um, and they got some background info from my friends. Yeah. Kind of see the full context. So I think there was a lot more going on than I understood. Uh, yeah. Knew. Uh, but I I knew I was coming to stay. Like I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't leaving. Yeah. Um, and so I, I I did admit myself um, the involuntary. I can't remember what it's called in BC, but um, yeah, yeah. But basically, I couldn't leave. Like I yeah. I signed and basically said I couldn't leave till I was. Yeah. Till you had permission, or till yeah. they did something. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. That's I. I um I went to emerge as well and they did the same thing like they took Rob separate and and I actually think that even if you're talking to like trying to get a diagnosis I I know there's someone in my family right now that it's it's been very hard for them and I just can't understand why the doctor hasn't talked to people around them right because yeah. when you're in it you can't see what like you need you need that so my friends that are going please bring someone with you that knows you and 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 that's that's really helpful and I remember like I too wanted I wanted to stay I didn't want to leave until someone told me what was wrong right but they didn't admit me I went to 
you've probably heard in the other episode, this place called Crest, which is like a short stay treatment center. Mm. And yeah. found out there. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me if you're willing to talk about it, what is it like? What is it like here in Canada or at that specific hospital? What was it like for you? Do you remember? I, I do. I do remember. I, you know, there's a lot of things that I don't remember. I remember the hospital pretty well. Um, but before, I mean, it's interesting, like all that kind of, of the wake that I created for people. Yeah. So um, you know, so I had all these people living in my wake, the wake, the big yeah. waves that I created yeah. um, that I didn't know. It's kind of like, so I didn't, I didn't remember all of that. Like, I didn't remember all of that, but I do remember the hospital pretty well. And the first thing I remember is actually, I'm not one of them. That was like, that's the first thing I remember thinking, I'm not one of these people. Right. <laughs> like, why am I, why am I here? I'm so like I'm so well in comparison. Right. Um, so that was my first, like this arrogant um, mm -hmm. kind of perspective. And it took me about three days, like of of hearing people's stories, mm. hearing other people who were hypomanic or manic, or you know, telling their stories and telling me what, you know, it's like, oh yeah. Like I started to identify. And then it's just like, yeah, I get it. Mm. I I am one of them. I am. These are my people. Uh, I'm here. And, you know, and I was still up. So once I got, you know, I did it. I was a very good patient. Um, <laughs> so because I knew it gave me privileges. Okay, smart. So then I got out, like to go for, I got day passes and, but I'd go to the grocery store and come back with like watermelons and like cut up watermelons with the little plastic knife to share. Oh, you know, like right. I, I was in like, these are my people. I'm going to build community here. Um, but, but I, but I think that's the, that's the big uh, experience for me was mm. not, I'm not one of these people. And that transition to, from arrogance to humility to, yeah. I am one of these people. And I need to be here um, to get the help that I need. Yeah, that's so powerful. Uh, yeah, I feel like we're kindred spirits. When I went to the other place, I like organized, like I would put notes under the doors and organize to watch TV together. Or <laughs> like, I just, I wanted to, and it was, it, the, um instant friendship right because there's nothing to hide we all know we're there for something so it's just stripped back and and I just found that you know of course it was an experience you know I don't wish upon people but yeah. it uh it was really beautiful and it really showed me like oh wow if I could go into other community spaces and just you know be this unmasked and honest um yeah I I treasure that part and yeah. it was really interesting because one of the guys that was there we really hit it off we were both 90s kids we were like we we had you know a lot of fun together and I saw him like 12 or 13 years later 
And it was so cool to just to just see each other. And, and mm. we were both, um, you know, we're both treated. So we're both doing, you know, fairly well, as well as you can be. And it was, uh, yeah, it was just such a reminder, reminder of community. That's how, how, how was that? How was that uh, for him to see you? Yeah, he was, I didn't recognize him at first because he was a bit younger than me and he yeah. he had like changed, he like had different hair and he had a whole bunch of piercings that he didn't have before. But I kind of looked and I looked, but because I do the podcast and I'm a substitute teacher and I used to do a lot of leadership roles at my old church, a lot of people, like my face is kind of like, it sounds so dumb, but like known a little bit. So I always smile back like I know them too, because I probably do. <laughs> <laughs> just just to be safe or I might yeah. have taught them years ago or I don't know so I'm smiling back but yet there's some familiarity and then he came up to me and as soon as I heard his voice I was like <laughs> and it was it was really really exciting I'm curious if there was people around us because we were like remember when we were here <laughs> I can yeah. imagine that we were we were pretty loud but it was it was like just beautiful to just be able to talk about that and and when different worlds worlds collide yeah so how about how long were you there so i was hospitalized twice okay um so first time i was there for 10 days yeah um but i was nowhere near like i was really high so yeah. even though they were using you know significant drugs uh yeah. meds it was it was i was i was high for like other eight weeks probably wow yeah and did you have to wean off the because I had to wean off the antidepressant to be able to it's it takes time yeah it does and yeah. that first round of meds that I was on you know and when you go so high the opposite happens yeah you go so low like mm -hmm. a free fall yeah especially in that first first year where you're uh trying to figure out the meds and so yeah. so you know so my my manic episode was in june july august yeah and then then i was on significant heavy meds that um that i call the hammer mm. good uh, way to describe it yep um it's still i mean my psychiatrist gives me I have it as a pill in the pocket, this, this med in case, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, but I, it is a hammer, like it works, yeah. but I was on it for nine months and I was a zombie. Yeah. Mm. Um, it, I, I can't remember very much of that time. And I went so, you know, I was, I be, you know, suicidal ideation. I became, yeah. became suicidal and then was hospitalized. Yeah. Uh, for the opposite. Yeah. for the opposite and wow. and that I mean I needed to be in the hospital to be safe oh yes yeah um, at that point and I mean that was a completely different experience mm, wow so, so during that time did you were you off work did you like I was on sick leave okay I was, I was yeah. on sick leave the whole time yeah um, yeah and for a while afterwards too so it was so I think that uh, the, those two events took took basically um, fifteen months of my like life kind of wow. wrapped up in that. Like either 
you know, the manic episode or um, the really low depression with suicidality and, um, you know, significant yeah. issues there around, you know, just risk and yeah. So yeah. Wow. So that was, um, yeah. So that was, and so I, as you reflect on that time, it's, it's like, it's like a baby bipolar person, mm. like in my understanding and knowledge, like right. I just had no, and like, I look back now um, and I think about like, oh, but the amount I've learned and it's such a gift to be, I mean, it's never going to be perfect, but I can say that, that I, I'm in recovery. Um, and so if there's hope for me on this journey, I think there's hope for others. Yeah. Um, and, and to, to actually live with, uh, bipolar disorder in such a way that, um, that we can say we're in recovery. We are, yeah. you know, we can live well. Yeah. I love that. I love that in recovery, right? Cause there it, it's accepting that this is something that we live with and live yeah. alongside and we have, you know, and yeah, I have a hard time, you know, with, cause some people, I get a lot of books sent to me and there's a lot of ones that talk about like recovered or healed. And I just, I just, it's, that's a really uncomfortable space for me because I'm just like, and being a woman of faith, I do believe, you know, in some miracles, but the chances are I'm going to live with this. And so I need to, instead of fighting it, live alongside it. And it's interesting. Did you, I mean, you went through the 15 months um, afterwards. Did you um, like read a lot or try to learn or, cause I know for me at the beginning, I, I couldn't, I couldn't look it up. I didn't, I mean, I, I listened to therapists and I had a team. Um, so, but I, it's almost like I could only take in what I, what I could handle, right? Like I could only, and I know uh, there wasn't like as much information out there. Like there wasn't, I, there wasn't, I was barely on Facebook then, like it was new, yeah. right? And so there wasn't a ton, but I, I couldn't do it. And then when I did, I found it was like all so much medical stuff. And I mean, that's why I started this, right? Because I, I wanted to like to see someone that was like, okay, but still had the same illness as me, right? Like, yes, still struggling. But like you said, like, it's not a uh, you know, a sentence that everything's over. And I probably get a couple messages a month, like, you know, oh, I, I tell me my life's not over. Tell me mm -hmm. that I can, you know, do this or that. And I, I can't tell you what you can do because of the severities, et cetera. But I can tell you that, you know, that it isn't, it isn't over. Right. Yeah. So did you look into it right away? Did you learn over the years? How was your next couple, couple years after, um, after you started to stabilize with meds? Oh, well, uh, I kind of went overboard. I'm okay. Like, I'm like, I'm like Mr. Research guy. Are you? So I think I've probably, like, if you look at my Kindle, I probably have like 50 books on bipolar disorder, at least. Wow. Uh, um, that I've read, like, yeah. like, why do you, Leah keeps saying, why do you need to read so many books? Like, yeah. like one good one would probably do it maybe. <laughs> <or two. laughs> so, um, 
So I did, but I'm not sure how helpful in that first year mm. it was. Right. I, um, like the head knowledge is not like more, the more, the more I learn, the more I, I'm like, actually head knowledge is not necessary. I mean, you need the basics. Yeah. But it's everything that's embodied. Mm. I find helpful. Yeah. Uh, I find like embodied therapy, you know, something that's somatic, mm-hmm. so helpful for my emotional regulation. Go outside and walk. I find that helpful. Yeah. Uh, I find embodied listening because I found I, you know, I've had a real struggle attuning to people. Um, yeah. But once I've learned a little, even a little bit about embodied listening. And, you know, in the last 18 months, it's like, where was this all my life? Like, yeah. Oh, it's simply embodied listening is simply like, what am I feeling in my body when someone is saying something or, you know, and all of a sudden it's like the light bulb has gone off. I or on, (laughs) I can, I can relate to this person now, or I can relate to my own feelings and emotions, not, not be dissociated from it. And and all of a sudden it's like my own like emotional regulation because I'm more embodied and feeling and listening to my body yeah that's helpful yeah yeah but all the reading is great it's good but it's nothing compared to like the practice of embodiment Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, for those that aren't familiar tell us a little bit tell us what you mean by embodiment and somatic um so embodiment is just, is focusing, feeling, sensing in your body, sensing yeah. your feelings, um, sensing whatever you're feeling with your body. Like, so yeah. it could be emotions. It could even just be like the simplicity of listening to either pain in your body or, yeah. uh, and sometimes when we have blinders on, we don't even listen to like, I have a sore back and I'm not doing anything about it or- yeah. So it's just listening to your body, but then listening to others and what they're saying and what it stirs up in your senses. Like it could be like, you know, when you're sharing about, uh, you know, your journey and your, you know, as you came out um, and with bipolar disorder and start, you know, in your podcast listening, I would feel this anxiety in my, I would feel, oh, I didn't know it was anxiety at first. I felt what I felt in my stomach was like this like butterflies and like clenching and, mm. oh, that's things that I'm feeling anxious for Shaylee, just as she's Aww. telling me. Uh, so that in a way is like, yeah, an embodied kind of listening, maybe um, uh, even though we weren't in person. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. So, and, and then just staying attuning to your body. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. yeah, I love, I love that. And it's so interesting. I'm like, almost frustrated that I didn't listen a long time ago. But I don't know about you. But with uh, the church that I went to, it was all considered kind of new age. So I was or, or from like, you know, uh, for from extreme folks that it was like, 
you know, uh, a bad spiritual thing, right? Like, I, I don't know, it was like yoga was bad or, or all yeah. these things. And I didn't realize how much I lived in my head. And now I'm doing these things that I would have like made fun of or be scared of and, and just be, or be like, that's so simple. Like that works. Right. Cause I feel like, felt like bipolar was so big. There needed to be big solutions. Mm -hmm. um, but like, uh, for example, one of the things that really helps me is like, taking off my shoes and socks. And even if it's like when it's cold, I don't always do it or I do it quick, but like putting my feet on the earth or even ah. feeling like even on the floor, like I don't realize how much I don't like, it's like, I don't live from my neck down and, and it's really powerful and it unlocks and unlocks some things. And then another thing, which first felt a little silly is like putting my hand, like a little bit of pressure mm. where, where I felt the thing and yeah. learning that that's like, this has the same benefits of like, that's ah, so good. yeah. And that's it's so like, good. oh, if anyone's listening that, you know, might think this is ridiculous or be like me and be stubborn, or maybe someone has told you that that um it wasn't you know some appropriate if you're in a faith space please try it like I wish 10 years ago right yeah. and actually that's going to lead me into talking about the next thing because all of this made me think of Hillary McBride and if y'all don't know I was just going to say that <laughs> awesome go and buy all her books wisdom of the body I think is the latest but Mark who works yes. said with sanctuary mental health and Hillary McBride is an ambassador and so I would love to hear about um anything you want to share about um sanctuary mental health oh I um you know this little organization started in Vancouver um and it's just growing by leaps and bounds it's such a joy to be a part of I started at Sanctuary, you know, I've been an executive director in the nonprofit sector, uh, but I started as a volunteer uh, um, um, after both of my hospitalizations okay. and just to get out of the house mm -hmm. and start doing something again, just kind of when you, when you've been ill for so long um, and not working it, you kind of have to onboard slowly. Yeah. It's not like you can't go from zero to a hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, and it was such a gift. Everyone was so kind and uh, um, it was so lovely. And, and now um, I have the privilege of being the director of development with Sanctuary. I do tell my story uh, uh, as part of my advocacy mm -hmm. Sanctuary as well, but Sanctuary mental health uh, main role is to be a resource to provide resources for the church globally mm -hmm. as a ecumenical, you know, non-denominational organization. Yeah. And so the Sanctuary course is an eight-week course that is all online. You can do it as um, a group of friends. And I just led the Sanctuary uh, course in my faith community this, mm -hmm. uh, this past um, November and December. So eight weeks. Wow. Um, so there was about, I think there's nine of us participating and there's these amazing films of people with lived experience telling their stories, but then you have experts from, you know, psychology, medicine, yeah. theology, uh, you know, and spirituality kind of combining and reflecting on, on the story and, and, and feeding back. And so, so you, as a group, you then just go through a discussion guide and reflect on that lived experience story. So it's rooted. Beauty is it's rooted in lived experience. Yeah. 
people's stories who are people who are sharing their story very vulnerably and it just creates this um this container that is beautiful um people are vulnerable they share i mean not everyone has mental health challenges that are joining in mm. uh, we understand that everyone's on a mental health continuum right and you can flourish and languish regardless of if you have an illness or not um but everyone knows somebody who has had significant challenges yeah so either you've been a caregiver or a friend or your own journey and so there's this sweet sweetness of like being on a journey together yeah. uh, and really honestly every time I would be moved to tears mm. because of the just this felt this felt like it's the safe place mm. where people are sharing openly and vulnerably and caring for each other um never quite experienced something like that that comes together so quickly right uh, and uh, it's very beautiful what happens in that context so releasing the course four years ago to now 227,000 people have taken the course yeah, uh, in 76 countries. Um, it's remarkable. And it's homegrown right here in Vancouver. Yeah, yeah. And uh, my previous co-host, Julie, was in, I don't know if she still is, but in the original videos. She was in the original. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's yeah. That, I think that's how I found this is bipolar through watching oh, that. So and then yeah. it's like, I went to follow her and then you guys started this is bipolar. And so, yeah, yeah it's so fun. Yeah, we got a little hypomanic during COVID. <laughs> Voila! Voila. But we, we channeled it well. We channeled it well. We did. Um, well. Yeah, with Sanctuary, I what I really love about it, because we know that, uh, you know, historically, the, you know, many people have been hurt by the church and or have had experiences with, you know, with their mental health, like not being able to be open. And there's a, a different stigma. And I'm not saying every church or faith community, but it, it, you know, it was there, it was there for me. I've spoken to a, a lot of people that have church hurt, but what I love about, you know, about sanctuary, and I, I can imagine it speaks to how you're talking about how you get close fast, it's much like the place I went to, right? It's just like removing the masks and just showing up in the messy middle. And I, I don't know, for me, I think that's like messy faith is beautiful faith to me, right? Yeah. It yeah. just, it just really is. And so, and it's available for free now, correct? It is. It is yep. free. It's just go to sanctuarymentalhealth.org uh, and yep. you can download it there. And uh, just a little plug, um, yeah. Hillary McBride is coming out with, uh, we're going to be hosting a podcast that she's done. I think it's a series of 10 on trauma and spirituality. <gasps> so oh my spir God. basically spiritual trauma. So, yeah. Oh, so that's going to be so powerful. Yeah. yeah. I'll put all of um, the sanctuary information in, in the show notes. So oh, thank you yeah, thank for you. sure. And, and check it out. And that's beautiful. And yeah. And for all shout on the rooftops about Hillary as well. Um, I did an event with her um, called the embodied woman um, and just the work she does. And if um, you want to listen to her, like out of the faith-based context, she also had a podcast with CBC called other people's problems. 
and it's actual therapy sessions. Like she got permission. And then I listened to all of them. I, it, it, wow. and it's kind of, you feel there was a you lot have, of them. Yeah. And you feel kind of, it's how I got myself to walk and go on the treadmill. I would only let myself listen to it if I was moving. <laughs> so I was like tricking myself, but what I love about it too is that you feel kind of sneaky like you're listening but you're not because clearly they put it out but I was like it feels which I kind of liked that feeling but I learned um I actually learned learned so much from that so yeah oh I could talk to you for like a hundred hours yeah. um one of the things uh before we we wrap up and I'd love to do a, a, a little session. I was telling Marku about how I'm doing a little bit extra calling going deeper just for a membership community that's happening hopefully very soon. Um, but before we go, I would love for you to share with me um, two things. What's the kindest thing or kindest words that someone has said to you? And then what would you say to someone listening that's struggling right now? Oh, good questions. I, I think the, the kindest thing is um, when I was, one time when I was in the depths of my despair, um, an uncle of mine just held me. Mm. He just, crawled on a bed and held me like uh and I've thought of that like so much how that and again it was because it was embodied there's no words yeah it was just like I see you and I'm holding you mm. um yeah that that I think I will never forget that uh it was so powerful yeah um and and just the words of encouragement to someone who struggles because i struggle regularly still um i know that when i'm struggling i i just say the you know the words from um julian of norwich that this too shall pass mm. like, that i know that i know i've been through this cycle so many times now that I know it's going to pass but in the depths of that hardness and the darkness it's hard to remember that yeah and so sometimes we need other people to come alongside us yeah say, this is going to pass yeah that spring is coming yeah uh, the light light is coming um so um so do not a lot of things, but mm -hmm. a few things, maybe two or three things, like reach out to somebody that yeah. you can trust. Get out and move. Um, and then do something that gives you joy, typically. Maybe not right now, but normally would. Yeah. Yeah, those are beautiful. I love that. Do something, but not too much. It's like honoring your capacity, right? But, and I know 
like you said something really important that or that usually would because sometimes just going through the motions it's almost like it reminds your body or it reminds your mind of a time you've had joy even though sometimes I'm going through it and I just I kind of want it to be over and go back to bed or or whatever just doing it I think I really believe that it brings me back to health a little bit a little bit quicker like it's these teeny steps and I, yeah. I love so much yeah. you that you acknowledge that yeah. Well, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I just love um, what you're you're putting out in the world and, and your work, and your warmth. And um, this was a a really beautiful conversation. And I'm excited to do a couple more minutes with you um, for the the going deeper. But uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Shaley. I uh, just was so looking forward to it. And again, I just uh, get a kick out of you every time on Instagram and um, so glad. Get, get a good laugh in so uh, thank you for keeping the joy in all of this and the realness and the authenticity and um, mm-hmm. being vulnerable yourself so thank you it's a real privilege to be here with you awesome I'm glad I'm not the only one that thinks I'm kind of funny <laughs> <laughs> awesome well we will see you next time this is bipolar hey, Thanks again for tuning in. You can find video versions of This Is Bipolar on our YouTube channel. We also have all our previous and soon-to-be future episodes of the podcast on Apple, Podbean, Spotify, and Google Play. We spend most of our time on Instagram at this.is.bipolar. There is a vibrant community there where we have conversations and post different ideas and different strategies. And we'd just love for you to join us there. It is so helpful if you enjoy our work or think it would be helpful to someone if you could like and share and save and follow us in all or any of those spaces. If you're a listener for the podcast, if you could leave a review, we would be forever grateful. Again, thank you for being here with us. Let's get the word out. Let's share lived experiences so that we can change the ideas that people have about bipolar and help those of us that live with it feel less alone. This is bipolar.